1: do it! Ooh, way. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online
0: at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go, even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello, and welcome to Grill Nation on KMBZ 980 a.m. and on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, as well as on GrillNationShow.com. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining us again. Today, I'm really happy to have you uh, listening to the show as always as we enter uh, the territory of 120 shows. I think just Grill Nation launched uh, about two years ago and about 400 or so shows uh, before that with entrepreneur KC and guests throughout the years. It's going to have you back. Today's show is going to be no different. Exciting show today. Uh, first off, I want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation with Jason Grill. They are title sponsors of the show, our trust's. MoBank, BOK Financial, Two West Advisors. Also, our uh, contributors and on-air guest co-hosts are the Rieger, Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, One Light Luxury Apartments, and Reactor Design Studios. And Clifton Alexander comes on every month as a guest host and on-air contributor. Thanks again to all of our partners and supporters of the Grill Nation show. First off, today uh, I'm going to preview our show. But first off, we are going to have on McLean Bryant, who is the director of policy at the office of Mayor Sly James here in Kansas City, Missouri, to talk about a digital inclusion. There's been some exciting things happening in Kansas City around this initiative and uh, a digital equity strategic plan that was launched on March 9th, 2017. <clears throat> so I'm going to have McLean Bryant come on come on via phone here in a few minutes. To talk to us about what she does in the mayor's office, but also get into the exciting things happening with digital inclusion, digital equity, and uh, all those great things happening, the website is digitalinclusionkc.org. After McLean, we are going to have on Mandy Sonenberg and David Reed. Uh, David is a principal at Gould Evans, and Mandy is a professor at Rockhurst University. They co-founded the STEAM Studio, which is the website is steam studio dot com. It's located in Westport in the Gould Evans office. Doing some really cool things with STEAM education and programs, not only for uh, K-12 through 12's, uh, students, but also for uh, teachers to get credits as well as uh, the architects in the building learn a lot from the kids. It's a really exciting new program. They also just uh, co-authored a book, which we'll get into as well. Uh, but we're really going to talk a lot about STEAM education, uh, entrepreneurship, and some of the changes that are happening in the Kansas City area with regards to Cool new programs, uh, to let students, uh, at, at young ages kind of get their hands dirty, uh, move out of their chairs. It's a unique, uh, form of education and they're doing all kinds of great programs over at the STEAM studio located in Westports. That'll be exciting to talk to Mandy and David in segments three and four today. As always, you can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. We're bringing our first guest today via phone. Uh, McLean Bryant is with me. She's the director of policy at the Office of Mayor Sly James. McLean, welcome to the show. How are you today?
2: I'm well, Jason. Thanks for having
0: me on, McLean. We've uh, we've known each other throughout the years. I know that you uh, worked in the law for a while and now uh, work in policy. So tell us a little bit about your background and kind of what you do day to day for the mayor. Sure.
2: I'm from Kansas City. Uh, went to school out of state, but uh, came back home after I graduated. Like you said, I, I practiced law for a while. I was actually at uh, the same firm where the mayor got his start, and that's how we met. We didn't meet while he was still there, but we met under that context. Um, on one of the first matters that I worked on, he actually mediated that case. So um, we took a liking to each other, and I did some unofficial work on his campaign. Uh, he appointed me to Parks Board, and yeah, I just he just helped his administration out as much as I could from the outside. And then when the opportunity uh, opened up for me to join his staff as his policy director, I jumped at it.
0: And so um, now I work for him. That's awesome. And you've been at the mayor's office for uh, three to four years, is that right?
2: About three years.
0: Okay, great. And uh, you grew up in Kansas City, went to George Washington University for law school. It's, uh, it's kind of fun talking to you because uh, we're kind of recovering attorneys, I think. <laughs> that are more <laughs> interested in policy these days and uh, community relations. Um, okay, so tell us about you know day to day what you're working on. I know that we're going to get into the digital inclusion here in a second, but as a director of policy, I find all the time that people in K- that that move to Kansas City from DC or who uh, want to work more in public affairs and policy uh, don't really know what that includes. And so what are what are the t- types of things that you work on day-to-day as a director of policy for a mayor? Because I know there's a lot of things happening in Kansas City, especially, and a lot of things happening throughout this country on the local level with mayors. So what does your day-to-day look like? I know it's probably unique, but give us a little background on that.
2: Sure. So my, my primary job is just doing whatever the mayor asks me to do. But um, more, more formally, I guess, um, my, my duties include just making sure that the policy interests of the mayor are – uh, known and to the extent that we, you know, we can effectuate it. So I um, am the li- liaison for the mayor's office to a lot of our community organizations, um, to uh, the statutory agencies that oversee uh, different incentives, um, different stakeholders that um provide a variety of services in the community. Um, my, my primary responsibility, while I oversee all of the policy for the office, which just is, is the gamut of things from transportation to public safety, um, anything you could think of, but I, I directly um, am involved in policies related to economic development, workforce development, uh, tech and innovation, small business, entrepreneurship, um, and, um, economic development so I don't know if I already mentioned that one. <laughs> um, and then I have a, a couple of staff people that, that handle the other policy
0: areas. Mm-hmm. For our listeners who don't know, kind of take us through the, the office of the mayor of Kansas City. How, how big is the office of the mayor of Kansas City? I think people probably assume it's huge, but it's probably a little more, uh, smaller than people think as far as the team.
2: It definitely is. We have an office of about 13 staffers, which is much smaller than the staffs of other mayors of uh, cities of our size. Um, and so we, we do the best that we can with what we have, and, and quite honestly, we're, we're, we're pretty effective um, in, in managing everything we have with the staff of that
0: size. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had city council folks on the show before, and <clears throat> there's 12 of those in Kansas City, and obviously the mayor and the city manager uh what have been some of the uh, surprises that you've encountered uh, coming from the, the private sector getting into uh, government? Uh, maybe something that you didn't anticipate uh, or something that was surprisingly a good thing that you were excited about since you touch all these different areas. Is there anything that stands out to you as something that, wow, that was, that was a bright surprise about government?
2: Yeah, it, you know, from the outside looking in, folks often complain about how slow government is to move. Um, when, in my experience, at least, you know, in our office, uh, Kansas City is known as being uh, an innovator, particularly when it comes to, like, smart cities and, and tech and innovation. Um, we've been a, an early adopter of a lot of those technologies. Um, but, you know, a lot of the slow movement that, that folks see um, is is isn't really true. I mean, we're a super large organization with over four thousand employees and we just have risks and considerations that we have to make that the average person might not appreciate or that is uncommon in the private sector. Um, we're responsibility our responsibility is, is really the livelihoods uh of all the citizens of the city and so we have to be very thoughtful in our approaches and make sure that, you know, we engage Um, different communities that are going to be impacted Mm -hmm. by legislation before we we take any action. And so that's kind of why it takes a little while for some things to be effectuated in in city government.
0: We're talking with McLean Bryan, Director of Policy at the Office of Mayor Sly James in Kansas City, Missouri. We're going to have her back after the break. Appreciate the overview. We're going to talk about digital inclusion and why it is important in Kansas City and get into the the problem and and what McLean and her office are addressing. You're listening to Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us. (laughs) Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill. You're listening to KMZ 980 AM as well as uh, appreciate you joining me today on uh, iTunes and Stitcher Radio via podcast and at grillnationshow.com where you can find all of our shows, information about our guests, photos of our guests, as well as uh, all the good sponsors and supporters that we have that have joined the Grill Nation show. We're talking to McLean Bryant, uh, who is the Director of Policy at the Office of Mayor Sly James in Kansas City, Missouri. We're talking about all the different things she does uh, on her day-to-day and all the different things the mayor and his team is trying to address here in Kansas City. As as far as uh, a huge city, it's very spread out, obviously, and there's a lot of different things going on right now that you probably read about in the newspaper. But there's also a ton of programs, if you go to the Mayor's State of the City address, that a lot of people, I don't think, Really truly understand that the city and, and the team is, is working on and, and, and making an impact in. And one of those is digital inclusion. And I know this was something that was very important uh, to the mayor as regard as soon as the uh, Google fiber initiative took place. Uh, but it's been expanding ever since. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a problem with uh, access to the internet, high speed connectivity uh, for all citizens. And extremely, it's an extremely uh, tough issue right now for those in the disadvantaged areas. And so, uh, Kansas City is addressing the digital divide. Recently they had a digital, a, a day where they addressed this, but they've been working really hard, uh, to bridge the digital divide. So I wanted to have McLean back on the show to talk to us about what they're doing and kind of address the problem. McLean, if you want to give us kind of an overview of some of the issues that are happening, uh, in Kansas City with regards to the digital divide, I understand that it's, uh, it's, it's people understand how, you know, how big of an issue it is. Uh, talk to mm-hmm. us about that.
2: Sure. So, like you said, Jason, um, the digital divide in Kansas City was really highlighted for us by the arrival of Google Fiber. They certainly didn't cause it, but when they went out to get residents to sign up to be an initial fiber hub, which was basically just uh, neighborhoods expressing an interest in having Google Fiber come there, um, we saw that residents in our lower income areas were slower to sign up, uh, which translated then to a relevancy issue. Um, those relevant uh, those 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 uh, residents didn't see the res- the relevance of having high speed internet connectivity, um, and so then Google Fiber dug into you know why that was why they didn't see this as as an important amenity in their lives, um, and a study came from that where it just outlined um, the internet has and have nots and and why uh, those residents did not have the internet um, and. That connectivity and um, their realization of the importance of that connectivity is tied to, you know, education level, uh, income level, um, and exposure levels. So, and, and, and that really pinpoints um, the the causes of the divide. Um, those who cannot afford it, and those who don't see the relevancy of it to their lives, and those who don't have the skills to utilize it, are less likely to be connected. Um, it's an issue that you see more in urban areas and rural areas and tribal areas um, than you do in suburban areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Kansas City being as large as it is, you know, we've got a combination of, of the three to the exclusion of, of tribal areas. Um, and so it requires a catered approach in the different areas. Um, and so a lot of city, cities, as of late, have been um, drafting digital inclusion or digital equity plans Um, which is a plan for the city to address the digital divide. Um, Most of the cities that have done so have done a really good job of identifying the problem and, you know, statistically saying, you know, in these areas, connectivity is at this rate versus that rate in another area. But we went a step further in Kansas City and also outlined an action plan for us to narrow the divide. And so our plan, which is available online, um, not only educates council and our citizenry of, Divide, but also lays out what steps council and the city can uniquely do to narrow the divide. So a lot of times, um, you know, our stakeholders will come and ask the city for money, and that's one thing that we can do. But for this particular issue, um, I don't know if you've heard of small cell densification or 5G technology, but it's the it's the uh, the the next iteration of of the internet. Um, and it's what our ISPs are particularly focused on, and so ISPs and wanting to have greater, you know, cell coverage um, and wireless coverage in um, in areas where there are a lot of calls dropped or uh, there aren't a lot of folks that are connected, they're wanting to put these uh, small cell boxes on our uh, utility poles, mm-hmm. um, and so those fees uh, create a new source of revenue, which. The city aims to use, to fund um, digital inclusion funds so that when stakeholders do come to us seeking money for digital literacy training so that they can teach residents how to properly use a computer or apply for a job online or build out a resume on on Google Docs or sign up for healthcare or the litany of things that uh, folks are increasingly only able to do online, they're able to do so. Um, we also created a program called uh, Digital Upcycling, whereby the city donates all of its surplus computer equipment to an e steward certified refurbisher, and e steward is the highest international standard for refurbishing or recycling or disposing of electronic waste. Um, that company then refurbishes the computers and makes them available for low-cost purchase to qualifying residents of the city so that those who can't afford a brand-new computer can get a uh, use computer that's been wiped um, and um, is affordable to them. Um, so those are just a few examples or a couple of examples of, of what we have in our plan. Mm-hmm. Um, more recently, we have had a couple of events, um, one of which was for Missouri mayors from across the state. So I think it was last Tuesday, we had 18 mayors from Throughout the state of Missouri, meet in Kansas City to talk about digital inclusion with a particular focus on rural areas, because as you know, most of our state is is, is rural. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had subject matter experts from across the nation, to include speakers from the Benton Foundation, from the National Digital Inclusion Alliance, Next Century Cities, which are both membership organizations for um, cities and practitioners and and states and whomever wants to get involved in advocating for policies that will narrow the digital digital divide. Um, Mayors came and uh, the majority of their questions centered around infrastructure, um, how to fund these um, programs, um, whom to partner with, how to form local coalitions of practitioners and city officials to rally behind this issue, how to be effective on the state and national level, um, and effectuating legislation to narrow the divide. Um, it was a half-day event where mayors had lots of questions, um, and I think that everybody gained some additional um, you know, knowledge of, of the issue and, and some, um, some pointers on what they can do to narrow the divide.
0: We're talking to McLean Bryan, who's the Director of Policy for Mayor Sly James here in Kansas City, Missouri. Again, the Kansas City Coalition for Digital Inclusion, the website is digitalinclusionkc.org and also the strategic, uh, uh, the, uh, excuse me, the Digital Equity Strategic Plan is on kcmo.gov. Again, the vision is every citizen household in the Kansas City metropolitan area has access to the internet, the equipment needed to use it and skills needed to take advantage. The mission is to facilitate collaboration among organizations and initiatives working to bridge the digital divide in order to maximize the resources for the greatest impact. Again, I don't think people really realize, uh, McLean, how, how big this issue is, uh, in a, in a Pew study that you mentioned, uh, as well as a Google study internet, or excuse me, a Google and Pew research study. There was a, uh, a, a quote that said that 70% of children in the Kansas City school district do not have internet access in the home, in the home, uh, and 17% of Kansas citizens do not use the internet. I mean, to me, that's just it's just crazy. I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned the problems. You mentioned, you know, just applying for jobs, uh, accessing healthcare, uh, you know, keep connecting your families and friends via email, uh, the littlest things via the internet, uh, and, and and finding employment and, and, and doing the daily things you need to do online. Uh, it's shocking to me that 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 it's there's that big of a divide.
2: Yeah, and and one of the most striking uh, statistics for me is. Um, I believe when the Pew study was done a couple of years ago, it, they saw that over 70% of teachers assign homework online, and yet in Kansas City, over 70% of our students don't have access to the Internet at home. So these students are having to go to McDonald's or Starbucks or sit on the schoolhouse steps before school opens to to access Internet. And obviously, I mean, this places these students at a disadvantage to those that can readily access the Internet at home. Um, the same disadvantage applies to residents who aren't able to apply for jobs online. Most employers are only posting job openings online anymore. Um, in order to sign up for Medicare, Medicaid, you have to do so online, or you at least have to have an email address. Uh, so for our seniors who don't have email addresses, it's, it's difficult to near impossible for them to sign up for their necessary services. Um, for folks that use public transportation, if you need to get a map or you want to more efficiently plan your route, you have to get online to access that information. So basic needs and amenities that we need to survive in a 21st century economy are all available online. And for those of us who can't access it online, we're, we're, we're going to be left behind.
0: Mm-hmm. Very important. McLean, how do people get involved with this uh, if you're a resident listening and you want to kind of help find a solution and continue this progress uh, to make Kansas City digital uh, inclusive?
2: So the coalition website that you mentioned is a good resource. Um, there's a list on that website of all the different organizations that are active in this space, whether it's you know those that offer affordable equipment, computers, tablets, uh, those ISPs that have low-cost offerings, how to sign up for the uh Federal Communication Commission's Lifeline Program, which offers a subsidy for broadband connectivity. Those practitioners that um, offer digital literacy skills training on how to use a computer, uh, such as uh, Connecting for Good is one such organization. Mm-hmm. Um, but in addition to that, I mean they can feel free to email me at McLean M C C L A I N Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T at KCMO.org. And I'd be happy to send them in the right direction.
0: Very cool. Digitalinclusionkc.org. Check it out. McLean Bryant, Director of Policy for Mayor Sly James in Kansas, Missouri. Thanks for coming on the show today. And I appreciate all the information you shared with us. My
2: pleasure.
0: Thank you very much. We'll be right back on Grill Nation. Thanks for joining us today. I got that sunshine in my pocket. got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh. Yeah, I Welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining me again today on KMBZ 980 AM and on iTunes and Stitcher Radio as well as on GrillNationShow.com. Appreciate you connecting with me as always on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Going to continue our show today. Great first few segments. Uh, really excited about this next segment. It's a subject that I personally need to learn more about uh, but is obviously catching on. Uh, throughout the country and here in Kansas City. Uh, our next guests are Mandy Sonenberg, who's the, a professor at Rockhurst University and co-founder and director of the Steam Studio, also, uh, co-author of the book Unleashing Creative Genius. Uh, we're gonna get into that in a little bit. And David Reed, who is a principal at Gold Evans and as well as a co-founder of the Steam Studio and also co-author of this book. And the the website is steam-studio dot com. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you.
1: Thank how you to for get all us. how to get all that out? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, first
0: off, you guys have really strong resumes and backgrounds. Uh, so first off, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and uh, kind of what you got working, what you're working on today with uh, with the Steam Studio. So take us through your background a little bit okay. first, man. Well, thanks
3: for having us, Jason. Yeah, of We're happy to be to here.
0: I know you went to St. Louis University. Uh, I also went there. Oh, yeah. So for a time in my career, so.
3: It's a great spot. That's yeah. where I earned my doctorate. Okay, so,
0: yeah.
3: And found passion with the Jesuit University focus, so landed at Rockhurst University. Mm-hmm. Um. So my background includes being a teacher and an administrator in an elementary school and then coming to Kansas City about 10 years ago, and I teach courses at Rockhurst University. This is my ninth year. I teach technology and science courses, a couple of history of ed courses to graduate and undergraduate students who are going to be teachers. Hmm. So um, I'm able to pull from my prior experiences as a teacher and as administrator now a parent and um, basically collaborate more with the future teachers. And some of them are current teachers, depending on the program, but Really trying to get down to what is wrong with our education system. How can we make some changes? And that's really what has spawned the Steam Studio. Um,
0: And did you meet, uh, did you guys meet each other when you were a professor or how'd you all meet? That's the question here because
3: (laughs) Match.com. Match.com. We met through a uh, project at Rockhurst University. Um, David could tell you a little bit more about that project, but they designed our new academic building, Arupe mm-hmm. Hall. So we were on a several committees together, and I started having conversations with David about the need for some sort of lab for our uh, education students. When I received my undergrad at Mizzou, we had a lab school on mm-hmm. campus that we could go and try new theories of learning, new strategies with a, um, a very diverse group of kids. And unfortunately, we just don't really have that at Rockhurst. So.
0: That's how like you all get connected. And David, you uh, tell us about your background. Yeah, so uh,
1: I'm an architect with Gould Evans. i uh, been mm-hmm. practicing 30 years. F- uh, son of an architect myself, so I wow. guess it runs in the family a bit. It's an exciting career, I would assume. Uh, it is exciting. Yeah. It's very diverse. Um, and uh, yeah, our um, meeting with uh, Mandy was actually pretty serendipitous as far as Steam Studio. Uh, Mandy was brought in to help. Uh, bring a lot of the teachers at Rockhurst University kind of more into the 21st century as we design these new innovative spaces. And uh, so she and I kind of uh, connected on a level of um, really talking about where education is going. And so it was a very casual conversation one day about what she was seeing in the world of uh, STEM and STEAM-based learning, and she had this design that she wanted to execute. And I said, well, we have some space in our office. You should come look at it. I said, I doubt it's going to work. <laughs> it's up on the third level in the mezzanine. It's real long and linear, and it, she thought it was fantastic, and it, and it has been. It's what we call the anti-classroom. It looks nothing like a classroom, and that's part of its magic.
0: And first off, again, let's go back to what, is this, what does STEAM stand for? I, I've heard of STEM for many years. There's now an A in there. Why yes. is that? <laughs> well, um,
1: it was an initiative actually started at the Rhode Island School of Design, Few years back that uh, was not, not as much about integrating art into the STEM fields of science, technology, engineering, and math, but it's about integrating more creativity and innovation. And, and it also works beautifully to make a lot of intimidating engineering and science projects more approachable. Mm-hmm. So if you ask middle school kids, which is when kids are often thinking about a career direction, what they want to do, mm-hmm. it's not about sitting in a cubicle in an engineering firm. Living in the life of an engineer. That's not how middle schoolers think. But if you overlay a, an art problem with an engineering problem, suddenly it's approachable. It's it's fun. Anybody can engage. And so in our minds, A is kind of this on-ramp to the STEM fields to help kind of alleviate the, the leaky pipeline of professionals moving into STEM fields. Mm-hmm.
3: And I would add that, um, you know, we've done obviously some extensive research, but one of the, most well-known pieces of research is about how creativity is killed by fourth grade um, because of the way we teach our kids. So I think that's been kind of a, a pulled on our heartstrings as educators and professionals between David and I is really try to pull and inspire creativity out of kids because we hear all the time how they'll say, I'm just not creative, I'm not artsy, and that's not what it's about. It's about unleashing this creative genius in him, That's the, Title of our book, and also to give them a space where they're comfortable to move around. It's, it is, it doesn't look anything like a classroom. David's exactly correct. Um, and they are very accountable for what they're doing at all times, meaning they've got a project to finish. Um, there's a lot of risk taking, um, much failure involved with that, which is purposeful
0: because mm-hmm.
3: kids don't like to fail. And we think that's really important too with the STEM base and STEAM approach that we take. Um, we use design thinking. So we don't use Common Core. We don't follow standards. Um, we use the
0: anti classroom. You're, you're quoting it. What first off, too, I want to get into what is the ages for people to attend the Steam studio and where is it? First of all, I never asked that question.
3: Um, well, originally it was K to 12. We, um, piloted a preschool group this summer, which was really interesting. So we'll see where that takes us. (laughs) Um, yes. So we are committed to K through 12. We also offer. Professional development for, prof- you know, professionals out in the field. So I guess you could say it, it definitely carries on into, um, adult life, but.
0: So it's for, and, and teachers can go there too, right? Mm
3: hmm. So teachers, um, are required by the state to fulfill so many continuing ed credits sure. or hours as many prof- professionals have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I still have
0: to do those even as a lawyer, even though I'm not practicing. Very much. Uh, <laughs> well, come on over.
3: I don't know if we can fulfill this, but
0: we can but, try. But again, it's it's so you have to fulfill those. So teachers go to there to the seam studio and learn and, and figure things out that are kind of cutting edge, if you will.
3: Yeah, and we have a different model for them. So typically, when you go to professional development or you know your continuing ed hours, you sit and get right. You sit mm-hmm. there and you know, I got to write this down. I'll try this strategy with my students or whatever but it's not as meaningful as if the teacher comes with their class and we fold their professional development into working with their class and they observe us using the design thinking process Mm -hmm. and engaging their students in the STEM activities and the management of all that. So they're able to really identify the strategies being used and watch them unfold with their class instead of sitting and getting in a you know, auditorium about some strategies that they might not actually be able to connect with what's going on in their classroom. Mm-hmm. And we have found that to be very successful. And I think teachers appreciate it. Um, so that's been one model that we've used. And obviously now we have the book, which we're going to have chapters, summaries, and reflection questions with. For professional development, it can also be used as a textbook. Um, and then we offer other professional development opportunities for educators and non-educators. Mm-hmm. Surrounding design. And the
0: website is steam-studio.com. Where is it located?
3: It's in the heart of Westport, um, which I love. It's an eclectic area. Um, the kids we do some activities outside, inside. It's it's very has very much has a city feel and um, a diversity to it that not a lot of schools um, can expose kids to. So, and we are obviously in, housed in Gold Evans architectural firm. We're in their loft space. However, we kind of take over other levels too. So.
0: And David, your, uh, your coworkers were cool with this when you put this in the office? 95% of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bunch yeah. of kids running around all day. You know, we've,
1: we've had a lot of conversations and honestly, for the most part, everybody loves what it's done to our culture. Uh, they love that uh, we walk the walk when we talk about community service and serving inner city kids. They love that. We dig deeper in in education design because we spend a lot of time uh, on education projects and, you know, living a life in the day of a teacher is pretty humbling and uh, gives you a lot of empathy. Um, Mm -hmm. And We use these kids as focus groups. So there's a lot of ways that Steam Studio really informs our design work as well, which is pretty positive. But we wish there could be a little sound separation (laughs) from time to time (laughs) because it's kind of an echo chamber upstairs. So it's we have
0: we have about a minute left in this uh, segment, and then we'll we'll bring you guys back after the break. How did this get started? And and I, I can't imagine this was an easy process to write a no, book, right?
1: No, that's our first book, and we had no idea how how hard and tedious they were. But <laughs> we kept getting asked. Well, what are your? There's outcomes? a lot of photos in here,
0: so I yeah, because like we're more. architects, so we like <laughs> a lot of visuals. <laughs> So, yeah, you have your own book now, huh?
1: Yeah, so people were asking what are the outcomes, and we tried to kind of summarize it in a in a brochure, and it didn't work. And it's like, this is going to take a book, because we've had some amazing uh, stories come out of the STEAM studio. So mm. we encourage everybody to pick up a copy.
0: It's very it's, entrepreneurial what you guys have done here. Oh, it really is.
3: Well, we just really want to help support teachers and families and schools and not education sectors. Um teach and work with our kids in different ways. You know, I mean, just in the professional area, we know, too. Um, Kids need more practice in professional settings if that's where they're going to land in the workforce. So that's one thing that we can definitely offer them through the STEAM Studio and the Design Thinking Focus at Gold Evans. So
0: it works. We're talking to Mandy Sonenberg and David Reed, founders of the STEAM Studio. Uh, The website is steam-studio.com. How can we better prepare our current generation of learners to enjoy fulfilling, creative 21st century careers? Their book is called Unleashing a Creative Genius. Uh, really cool stuff. Looking forward to talking to them more about why this is important after the break. You're listening to Grill Nation here on KBZ 988. Welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill, KMBZ 980 AM and on, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, I appreciate it, on podcasts and at grillnationshow.com. I'll post photos of our guests that are in studio today. We have Mandy Sonnenberg and David Reed joining us again, Steam Studio, uh, steam-studio.com. We're not talking about... a a workout facility. We're talking about actual learning facility here. Uh, when I first had, you reached out to me, Mandy, I, I honestly, I was like, is this a gym? What is this? STEAM Studio. <laughs> but uh, tell us again briefly, like, what it is. Just give us the elevator pitch again of what you're trying to do with uh, the STEAM Studio.
3: Okay. So STEAM stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, Art, and Mathematics. And it's different than um, what you would probably see in, in most STEM programming. We really infuse the art, Component to all the challenges and activities we do with our students. Also, at the STEAM Studio, um, we are built upon the design thinking process. So um, that process is interwoven into everything that we do at the STEAM Studio and how we approach with the students the activities and challenges that we give them. Mm-hmm. So we really want a place for the youth that come through our doors, um, where when they enter the door, they they get a clean slate, so to speak. So Um, these are youth that may come once or over a six week period. Um, it, it just depends on the programming, but we want them to feel confident and comfortable in the environment that they are in and most of all creative. Mm -hmm. And so we find ways to unleash that creativity through different, whether it's a steam station or a steam project that they're working on.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, again, it's located in uh, Gould Evans, uh, office space in Westport. So it's cool and urban. Um and uh, but why why is this so important? I mean, I kind of want to take it to the higher level i 've looked at your website of the design thinking process, you know discovery, interpretation, ideation, experimentation, evolution why Why is this something that you both wanted to get uh, form and move forward with? Why is this so important in today 's society? Because I feel like there 's a a shift in education right now uh it 's slowly but surely uh, becoming more uh, entrepreneurial and uh, not as traditional. Is that one of the reasons why you guys?
1: Uh, Absolutely. I mean, education, public education is is not evolving rapidly as we know. It's the same model that we've had for the last 140 years. And this isn't trying to replace that, but it's uh, supplementing that. So we do a lot of after-school enrichments. We do summer camps. We're doing some programming during the school day. All the programming is customized and individualized. So that's something that no other program does. It's also a program serving um, you know, elementary and middle school kids. So there's a lot of good programs in the Kansas City area, like the CAPS programs are around, but mm-hmm. nothing really serving younger kids and particularly uh, nothing serving any student that, that wants to enroll um, you know, throughout those grade levels. So hitting those underserved schools uh, is particularly impactful because they don't all have the resources to bring a lot of these program opportunities to the kids.
0: Mm-hmm. And how did it influence you uh, at a university?
3: Um, Well, I just kept seeing my uh, students that I'm teaching who are either currently teachers in the graduate program or going to be teachers going out into schools and being exposed to traditional teaching. So even if uh, the teacher said, yeah, go ahead and try something new, they're still in this box. Mm -hmm. And there's still um, some formal structure that goes into all that. So I wanted them to have a space as well to go out and try new methods of teaching and learning and also to see – how amazing it can be when you have organized chaos going on when kids are learning. You know, kids are messy. They are loud. They get frustrated. And that's okay. That's what we want because it's pretty scary to think about kids growing up not ever taking risks or failing or not being able to deal with their frustration in the workplace. So that's really important to us to emulate what's going on below us down at the Gold Evans Professionals and to be able to walk around and see the length of their projects and how much thought goes into it and creativity is really helpful for our youth that come through the doors.
0: Mm-hmm. And what type of programs do you all offer? Uh, if I have a, a child who's uh, excited that their friends are doing stuff like this, how do, how do they get involved and in, in, what's the time commitment?
3: So um, we have a couple different programs, and you know I just want to also preface this by saying we really try to differentiate for different needs. So mm-hmm. if a school approaches us let's say – Hey, I'd love to come out and use your space and be involved in this, um, revolution of learning. Um, what can we work together on? Then we find out what their needs and wants are and what gaps they have. If a parent just wants to sign up their child, um, they can go to our website. We just posted our after school programming, which is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. Um, if it's not posted today, it'll be posted tomorrow, but, um, and then we also have, Different types of camps that are available on off days from school. We have field trips that students can take if they're a Boy Scout, Girl Scout, or they just want to get a group together to come to our studio and engage in some STEAM activities and challenges. We can set that up for them. Um, We do a lot of service projects as well uh, for different organizations through our programming, which has been exciting to see. Um, how that affects others.
0: Your space can accommodate a coding workshop one day, solar robotics the next, and an outdoor biology project the next day. So you're very, um, versatile in what people can do in the programs. David, is that, that's pretty intentional. Uh, obviously you, you're an architect, so you guys also get to observe all these children running around, uh, right. educational design, a, a laboratory. Right. Um, how does that influence you all at, uh, at work? Well, we,
1: um, we were excited to get the program underway simply because we did see an opportunity to, to bring kids and their thinking into our own work. Um, we had a, a workshop one day. We kind of turned the kids into a mini focus group and said, you know, tell us about your dream library of the future and kind of incorporated that into some school work that we we're doing. Um, but, you know, we also just try to, um, you know, accommodate kind of the mission of the program, which um, is about serving any particular school that wants to participate with any particular kind of program that they're interested in. so we've got a school coming in now that, that wants to have a, a course in entrepreneurialism. And mm-hmm. so we've tailored made that program. We can tailor make programs to support, you know, boy scout or girl scout merit badges. If you want uh, weekend workshops, um, you know, so
0: we can do a lot of different things. And you also mentioned the other segment, the teachers can also get credits there and learn and right. uh, how they can influence their students more in this kind of way. And, Creativity and uh, not just sitting at a desk all day, right? Absolutely. Right. Um, what, what are the costs involved with this type of thing? Um, you mentioned it's very accessible, right? It is. Yes.
3: Um, it depends on… The program, I guess. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. And so if it's an after-school club, um, we charge $75 per youth for a six-week after-school program, and that's about an hour and a half with us at the STEAM studio. Field trips for up to a class of student, which is usually roughly 20 to 25, 30 students, is $200. And then there's a little bit of additional cost for transportation. Um, We find that transportation is always a challenge. (laughs) It's very expensive. So we do have a bus that we can use for transporting youth, which has been great, but it still has a cost to it. Um, We also, for professional development, depending on the group there, ranging from the numbers of who's how many teachers are actually in the professional development. We offer a half-day or full-day mm-hmm. professional development sessions. We prefer that they come to the STEAM studio, but that's not mandatory. Um, we can go out to them and provide that professional development. Um, I think what we enjoy doing most is working with kids, and like I said in the other segment, having teachers watch us work with their students using design thinking and involving all those aspects of design thinking like wait time. Um, there's a lot of research about pausing and letting kids time to think mm-hmm. and not trying to jump in and then also providing risk taking and frustration for them, which teachers, we've done a lot of research with teachers about that and that is the number one thing they have an issue with is watching their students get frustrated.
0: Sounds fun. I can't yeah. wait to check it out. Uh, we have been talking to Mandy Sonenberg and David Reed with the Steam Studio. Uh, their book is called Unleashing Creative Genius. Check it out. And also their website is steam-studio.com for more information. Uh, really cool thing they're doing in the Westport area at Gould Evans office. And, uh, you know, it's been great having you guys on the show. Congrats on all your success.
3: Thank yeah, you for having us. Here.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for listening guys to Grill Nation. We'll see you again next week. Take care and have a good one. in the hall of fame.